0: Have you ever believed something without knowing that you believe it? Is that even possible? Like believing something that's kind of inherent, subconscious, and you don't realize it, but it's affecting the way that you live. My name is Steven, and this is My Apologies. An apology doesn't just mean saying that you're sorry. It can also mean giving a reason for something that you believe. For example, if I ask you, why do you believe we all should become vegans? I'm asking you for apology. On this channel, we'll be looking at apologies for living a life of faith and virtue. And if I say something that offends you, my apologies. Today, we're talking about pantheism and how without knowing it, you might accidentally be a pantheist. It might be something that's subconsciously influencing your mind. I think a shocking number of people that I've met, people in America and probably around the world, are secretly kind of pantheists. And this is what came to mind whenever I was reading book two, chapter one of C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity, because he talks about pantheism. And so I thought it'd be a great thing for us to touch on today. So today we're going to talk about one, what is pantheism? Two, how to know if you're accidentally a pantheist? And three, Is pantheism the right way to view the world? Is that what we should believe? So number one, what is pantheism? In mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis has kind of established that there are two ways you can go as humanity. You can go the religious route where you believe in a God, the theist route, or you can go the materialist route where you don't believe in a God. That was the first big division of humanity as he sees it. The next division that he lays out is what type of God you might believe in. Do you believe in a God, as he says, a traditional God who is separate from its creation, or do you believe in a God who is the creation, who in fact is the very thing that is creation around us? Pantheism is that belief, the belief that the universe is God. A helpful quote I found about pantheism that I think paints the picture of pantheism really well is from The Elements of Pantheism by Paul Harrison. He says, The word pantheism derives from the Greek words pan- Meaning all, and theos, meaning God. Thus, pantheism means all is God. In essence, pantheism holds that there is no divinity other than the universe and nature. Pantheism is a religious belief that reveres and cares for nature, a religion that joyously accepts this life as our only life, and this earth as our only paradise if we look after it. Pantheism revels in the beauty of nature and the night sky and is full of wonder at their mystery and power pantheism believes that all things are linked in profound unity all things are interconnected and interdependent in life and in death we humans are an inseparable part of this unity and in realizing this we can find our joy and our peace so that quote honestly makes it sound really frankly beautiful and pretty appealing So let's learn more about this. And the way we're going to do that is by examining a few ways that you might be able to tell that you have stumbled into pantheistic beliefs. I'm going to start with what I'm calling way number zero because it's not really, it's kind of a gimme. It's not a way of stumbling into it. It's just straight up pantheism. And that is if you are Hindu or Buddhist or take part in some other kind of Eastern mysticism or Eastern religion, odds are you're a pantheist. Those religions are just embedded with pantheistic thought. It's a major part of their faith. And so it's kind of a gimme, way number zero. If you're Eastern, if you're into Eastern mysticism and Hinduism and Buddhism, you probably know that you're a pantheist. And I don't know why you'd be going through this list anyway, but I'm glad you're here. Way number one that we're going to look at, and the first one we'll reference is an actual sneaky way of being a pantheist, is that you believe everything around you is divine or part of the divine. I'm going to read a section of C.S. Lewis that explains this. Pantheists usually believe that God, so to speak, animates the universe as you animate your body, that the universe almost is God, so that if it did not exist, he would not exist either, and anything you find in the universe is a part of God. The Christian idea is quite different. They think God invented and made the universe, like a man making a picture or composing a tune. A painter is not a picture, and he does not die if his picture is destroyed you may say, he's put a lot of himself into it. But you only mean that all its beauty and interest has come out of his head. So a Christian or a traditional theist thinks that God created the world, that it's something external to him, like a chef creating a beautiful masterpiece meal, or like Lewis says, an artist creating a beautiful painting, or an author writing a book is a great analogy as well. You could destroy the creation, but the creator would still exist. They're separate, just like you could trash the Mona Lisa and that doesn't suddenly poof away with its artist. Pantheism, in contrast, means that the universe is God itself. You could not destroy the universe without destroying God as well. They're the same thing. The world is the divine and it's revered as such, which is why you get the flowery flowery language that's so beautiful in that quote we read before. The distinction here is Christians can use that same kind of language, or theists could use that same kind of language when talking about nature because they believe that nature reflects the glory of God, that God is glorified in his creation. But pantheists are using that word because they think the creation is God. So that's the distinction. Is it God or is it just reflecting God? And that's why you can use similar language, but mean something really different. That's why this can be pretty sneaky. You know, modern day, if you don't have a theistic worldview, but you still see the divine in the universe and the divine in the trees and the mountains, but you don't want to admit that there is a God, you end up in this pantheistic kind of way of talking about the world. So that's way number one. Way number two is that you believe there is no good or bad. It's just a matter of perspective. This is another really tricky one. Let's talk about what is perspective to kind of start out this. We have the traditional idea of a car crash, right? So I might be observing a car crash and see that car number one ran the red light and slammed into car number two. You might have another witness who sees that car number two, the driver was asleep at the wheel. Now, these things could be conflicting perspectives. They are definitely different, but they might be both true. It could be true that both the car ran the red light and that the driver was asleep at the wheel. And the car accident was a combination of the two factors. That's kind of showing, starting to show the difference between perspective and reality. Another example of perspective is the classic, are you an optimist or a pessimist question? Uh, Do you think the glass is half full or half empty? I'm a half full guy. My wife is a half empty guy. She might exaggerate and say that it's entirely empty because she's such a pessimist. But these are both different ways of looking at the same unchanged circumstance. How full is the glass? Depending on your perspective, you may say half full, positive, or half empty, negative. The perspective is different. The reality remains unchanged. I recently read a really cool parable that I've loved and started to try to apply to my life. And that is the story of the Chinese farmer. So I'm going to try to get through it without messing anything up. It's a little tricky. You have a Chinese farmer who owns some land with his son. He has a few horses. And one of the days after working, the son accidentally leaves the gates open and the horse runs away. So everyone from the village comes out and gives their condolences to the farmer and says, I'm so sorry you've lost your horse. I know how important that is to you making money to your lifestyle. And the farmer says, we'll see. The next day, the horse returns and brings with it a whole bunch of new horses that are wild horses, and they all go in the gate. And the son is bewildered, but he closes the gate behind him and says, wow, okay, we've got more horses now. So everyone from the village comes and says, wow, what great luck. Now you have so many more horses. You can make so much more money. And the farmer says, we'll see. The next day, as his son is trying to break in one of these new horses and tame the horse, the horse throws him off its back. And the son ends up breaking his leg. Everyone from the village comes out. They must live close to the village because they're always coming out. They come out and say, ah, what terrible luck. I'm so sorry to hear that your son broke his leg. And the Chinese farmer says, we'll see. Very stoic. The very next day, soldiers come into town and say that the emperor has conscripted all young men to come fight for his army. Uh, All able-bodied young men need to come at once. His son, the Chinese farmer's son, can't be conscripted. Because he has a broken leg, he's not able-bodied. And so what luck? And the farmer says, we'll see. And so you see how in the midst of these changing circumstances, the farmer's unyielding perspective towards optimism, I guess. His perspective allows him to live a life of stability and joy in the midst of this flip-flopping. It's a really appealing way to live and something, even though it's not like a Christian aspect of a Christian worldview, I've tried to apply it to my own life with varying degrees of success. It's really challenging. But this is another great example of perspective, right? Depending on Which way reality is going, whether it's a positive thing that's happening to the farmer or a negative thing that's happening to the farmer, he maintains a steady perspective. It doesn't change the reality, but his perspective allows him to live in a stable way. For Christians, this could look like us just holding on to the fact that no matter what happens, good or evil, God is going to work all things together for good in the end. That's a Christian worldview. But what about in this pantheistic worldview? pantheists because they believe that all things are part of god which was way number one that we talked about they believe that basically all things are good there there is no good or bad your perspective and the reality kind of get mixed up and i'll have lewis explain this because i think he does an incredible job we humans call one thing good and another thing bad but according to some people that is merely our human point of view These people would say that the wiser you become, the less you would want to call anything good or bad, and the more clearly you would see that everything is good in one way and bad in another. We call cancer bad, they would say, because it kills a man. But you might just as well call a successful surgeon bad because he kills a cancer. It all depends on the point of view. The other and opposite idea is that God is quite definitely good or righteous, a God who takes sides, who loves love and hates hatred, who wants us to behave in one way and not in another. This example that he gives of cancer is a really good one because you're starting from the point of view that everything is God. From you to the cancer, everything is a part of God, which is the pantheistic view. So if that's the case, depending on which perspective you're looking at, both are good. And so from our point of view, cancer might be bad. From the cancer's point of view, the doctor is bad. And so as you start to blossom your worldview bigger and bigger, the worldview of encompassing all of God, all of creation, you start to see that because these perspectives are reflecting a reality that everything is actually good or at least amoral. And that's exactly the opposite of the Christian worldview. Like he says, a God who takes sides, whereas pantheism is a God who doesn't take sides. I had a friend who was kind of into Eastern mysticism mixed with a kind of Christian worldview because we live in Texas. It's kind of everywhere. And he was really into manifesting, which means basically speaking out what you want to say into the universe and the universe will respond. It's a very pantheistic type of worldview. He also would say the phrase, it's all good. All the time. And he didn't say it in the flippant way where he was basically saying, It's okay, I forgive you. What he was really saying was it's all literally good, regardless of your perspective. He's saying if you if you blossom out, no matter what's going on, it's a good thing. No matter who we're talking about or what circumstance it is, not that God will turn it for good, but that because it's all part of God, it literally is good. And this is the kind of thing you start to see when you get into this Eastern mysticism, pantheistic worldview. So this is another sneaky sign, way number two, that you might accidentally be pantheist. Another quick example to throw in here is if you find yourself saying or hear someone say the phrase, that's just your truth. Again, that's the muddling of truth and perspective. Very pantheistic. Just wanted to throw that in there as part of way two. Finally, way number three might be surprising. But it is if you're a materialist or an atheist. And this is what we talked about previously, which is the opposite of theism. But believe it or not, the, the line between materialism and pantheism is very blurry. It's, a very, it's very much a gray area. In fact, Richard Dawkins, the late famous atheist who wrote books about atheism, and he was kind of a preacher for atheism. He said in his book, The God Delusion, that pantheism is sexed up atheism. It's basically atheism with a little bit more curb appeal for those who want to be spiritual. And I think this is just spot on and you've probably seen it in your own life or in the lives of those or or in the life of someone around you. A quote from Britannica on pantheism says, it's the doctrine that the universe is God and conversely, that there is no God apart from the substance, forces, and laws manifested in the universe. Nothing apart from substance, forces, and laws in the universe, that is materialism. You're just calling that universe God and switching it from materialism to theism. And so, as you can imagine, there's a lot of blurring the line between the two. If you're a materialist, you don't believe in the spiritual world. But if you start to refer to things in a religious kind of way, looking to the universe for purpose, or even I've heard kind of the idea of God being the vibrations in the natural world, you're taking a materialist view of the world, but you're calling it God. And this is essentially pantheism. You're a sneaky pantheist. You're attributing the natural world to with divine purposes, divine qualities. To be clear, pantheism is a religious claim, or as materialism is a a-religious, an atheistic claim. And so they're not the same thing, but one can lead to the other. And the line is not as distinct as people would like to say it is. So those are our three ways. So let's land the plane and talk about where pantheism falls apart. Does it fall apart? Or is it a worldview we should accept as Christians? What Lewis points out is if pantheism is true and we have that way number two, which is everything is good, you have no way to call anything evil. It's the same problem that atheism has, the same problem that materialism has. It's the downfall of pantheism. Christians are often confronted with the problem of evil, of how can a good God create a world that has such issues? And Lewis makes the point that that problem is actually a problem for pantheists as well and materialists as well. Christians just have answers. And so let's take a look at that quote. And of course, that raises a very big question. If a good God made the world, why has it gone wrong? And for many years, I simply refused to listen to the Christian answers to the question because I kept on feeling, whatever you say and however clever your arguments are, isn't it much simpler and easier to say that the world was not made by an intelligent power? But how had I got this idea of just and unjust? A man does not call a line crooked unless he has some idea of a straight line. What was I comparing this universe with when I called it unjust? And this really hits the nail on the head when it comes to the problem of evil. Atheists, and I guess in this case, pantheists, would throw the problem of evil at religious people, at theists, people who believe in a Christian God, for example. But they try to have a simple answer saying a good God can't create a bad world. Simple, easy to understand, but it doesn't actually solve the problem for them because right back at them, you can respond and say, how do you call anything evil as a pantheist? We know that certain things are evil. You have genocide, abuse, racism. These are bad things. Pantheism posits a God who is above good and evil, who doesn't take sides, as we talked about before. And so you're left to answer the question, why do you believe that there's such a thing as evil? Or why do these evil things exist? the most you could end up with is a personal morality in which I personally think that racism and genocide are wrong. But ultimately, because all is God and all is good, those things aren't ultimately wrong. It's just my personal preference. And we can't really impose personal preference on anything. And that's not the way we experience morality, as we talked about in episodes three and four. So we see how this problem of evil falls short, for the pantheist and the materialist as well. I would definitely suggest checking out those other episodes if you're interested in hearing more. But for now, it's enough to say that the problem of evil is a problem for everyone. And Christians just have the Christian story of a fall, a God who created a good world, and a fall from that grace that explains the world whether or not you like it. And C.S. Lewis kind of goes to explain that the atheists don't like the complicated answers of religious people and Christianity. They'd rather have a simple answer, but such a complex reality cannot be expected to have a simple answer. Atheism and pantheism is in fact too simple, as C.S. Lewis would say. So other than what we've talked about so far, once you kind of eliminate materialism as a worldview and you eliminate pantheism as a worldview, what are you left with? Well, you have something called dualism, which is another theistic worldview. And Christianity is kind of like dualism, but it differs in a really important way. And so that's what we're going to talk about next week. We're going to get into Christianity and dualism. What are the similarities? What are the differences? And why is it important? If you enjoy this episode and haven't subscribed yet, please do. If you're listening to a podcast, give it a five-star rating and a review if that's possible. If you're on YouTube, please like and subscribe. You can also reach out to me via Locals. There's a link in the show notes as to how to join my Locals page. Or tweet at me at MyApologiesPod. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, my name is Stephen Cram, and this has been My Apologies.